Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to Carl Jensen. He blogs over at 1500 Days, and that's where he tracked his journey to retirement. He retired when he was 43 and saved, I think, roughly a million dollars. I interviewed him back in episode 117 to kind of track his journey and learn more about him. In this episode, we just have some fun. This is a long, meandering conversation. We go on many tangents. It was spawned by an episode of the Tim Ferriss podcast where he had Dr. Pita Atiyah on there, and they talked about a few things that they were excited about, a few things that they had changed their mind on, maybe in the near term or in, in the short term, and things that are stupid or absurd or silly. Carl and I followed that sort of pattern of a conversation. It's a really good conversation starter and just prompts to get you talking. And like I said, we go on a bunch of tangents. It was pretty fun. I think um, we may end up doing something like this again. Of course, we couldn't do the same exact sort of uh, prompts, but I, uh, I think we'll have them back on sometime soon. So I want to thank a couple sponsors. We have Niche Website Builders. And because this is a pretty long episode, I'm just going to give them a shout out here. They help me out with content and link building for my niche sites and my affiliate sites. And of course, we have Ezoic and their site speed accelerator. So if you're looking to speed up your site, if you're looking for that sort of optimization, you can use their seven-day free trial for the SiteSpeed Accelerator to check it out. They do guarantee a Google PageSpeed Insight score of 80 or higher. So there's no reason not to give it a shot. So again, thank you to those sponsors, Niche Website Builders and Ezoic. Be sure to check out the links in the description. And even if you're not going to buy anything today, it will be helpful if you go follow those links, shoot them an email, get in touch with them, let them know that you appreciate the fact that they sponsor this show so I can keep making them. Without further ado, let's get to the uh, whole conversation here. Have you been getting out much? COVID stuff, getting out much? uh, Not really. uh, COVID kind of upended life and how it upended life for me is we had bought this house to fix and flip in back in November. And then I remember, I think the first time I probably heard about COVID was January. And like most people, I think I probably dismissed it like, ah, you know, we've had other swine flus or H1N or whatever. It, uh, it's not going to affect us. And then I, I remember March came around and there was a story about how schools were canceled in, in Japan. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting, but it's probably not going to happen here. And then like a week later, I, I remember this. I heard a news story about how schools were canceled in Washington State. And even then, I'm, I'm a dummy. I'm like, ah, no, nah, that's not going to happen here. And then a week later, spring break happened and we get this email saying, hey, guess what? The kids aren't going back for the rest of the year. Like, whoa. And, and meanwhile, I was in the middle of all these projects. So I had to drop that. And uh the schools didn't do any online teaching. There, there was no teacher. They said, here's a stack of stuff. Have fun teaching your kids. So 
Uh, my older one did okay. Uh, the younger one was very resistant. Dad, at ho- I'm at home. I don't. I'm not here to learn. I'm school. That's what school is for. So it was tough. It was tough mentally. I, I have nothing to complain about in life. But uh, yeah, it was difficult dealing with uh, homeschooling. Was something that I never wanted to do. That that's good for some people, and some people sign on for that. And it's something I never wanted to sign on for. And then I was thrust into it. So all my half-finished, half-baked projects came to an end, and I became a homeschool teacher. So uh, it's weird from an introvert status, just being around other people all the time is uh, <laughs> is, a, is a stressful, maybe not stressful, but tedious experience. It wears you down. That, that's what it does. At the end of the day, you feel like you've been rolled over. But yeah, how about you, Doug? Your life is a little bit different. No children. You're, you don't have the same. Right. Well, Kind of like you, I heard a little about COVID, really didn't pay too much attention until, you know, schools were closed and other things. Like, it was obviously a big deal. And I'm definitely a wait and see. I don't react too quickly. I usually, I mean, it's hard to trust a lot of the stuff you see on the news, understanding the incentives of like the people putting out the information and all that stuff. So I'm usually cautious to make any decisions or form opinions too early. And like you said, no kids. I have been working from home for a few years anyway. So largely things are, they were about the same. One of the stupid things that I've complained about was normally I can go out to the greenway. I can walk around. I can go to the park in the middle of the day. And it's usually fairly quiet. There's not many other people around, but with COVID and everyone home, People were outdoors and they were impacting my, you know, solitary time walking around by myself. <laughs> this is my space. Get out. I know. I'm like, get out of this public park. I'm trying to have some peace and quiet. There's kids playing. You know, there's nothing worse than a couple kids playing. So, but other than that, I mean, that that was like sort of the, the big thing. There's a few other things, obviously, that we're going to talk about today. So, I guess we can sort of transition into the topic and a few Months ago, I heard Tim Ferriss talk to one of his friends, Peter Atia, and the sort of theme of the show, it, it was kind of a conversation prompt. So five things you're excited about, five things that you've changed your opinion about, and five things that are stupid or absurd. <laughs> and it was a great sort of conversation. It went all over the place, random topics, things that really were stupid or absurd and some things that were, you know, far more serious. And we had a great conversation before. I always enjoy talking to you, Carl. And I thought this would be a great thing for us to, to riff on and just talk about. So it took a little while to get it scheduled. I'm excited to do this. Um, and I, I think I told you, like, hey, come up with three. And I wasn't sure if you did three or five. Three, three. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later, too. Okay. And I and I wasn't sure. And as, as after I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, you know, I can, I can come up with pretty much five. So I have a couple extras if needed. Or maybe I'll talk about them in, in a very brief way. But yeah. And you listened to that episode. Any big impressions or takeaways from that episode on the Tim Ferriss podcast? To be honest with you, I, I hate when people say to be honest because that means every other time I was lying to you. So um, I'm going to start over again. I listened to it and I remember it being very entertaining, but I don't remember 
can you refresh my mind with some of the points they had? Because I'm sure <laughs> if it would have been, it, it was very entertaining, but uh, it didn't stick with me. That was a while ago. What did they do you remember? Some of their points? So the two, yeah, I didn't tell you to prep and like that I was going to quiz you on it, but it was an enjoyable episode. So people will check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes and description. But uh, the two big takeaways from, from me or for me were the, uh, is it the Centenarian Olympics? Yes. Oh, yes. That was good. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's so coming back to me now. All right. So you you like it. You, what was the big takeaway from that? It was so I liked. If I remember correctly, he worked back and said, "Here's what I want to be able to do at ninety. Here's what I want to be able to do at eighty. I want to be able to carry two bags each weighing twenty five pounds up two flights of stairs." And it's something. So I'm forty seven now. So the main takeaway with that is you don't necessarily have to accept that you're going to get old and you're going to be frail and you're going to be 80 and you're going to be helpless. You're going to break your hip. If you're active and work at it, you can enjoy a higher quality of life in your later years. So yeah, that was an incredible piece. That's uh, I didn't connect that that was with the same podcast, but yeah, that really stuck with me too. And all those little tests, like you had the 13 different things and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what stuck out with you? So the sort of other side of that was to back into it and what you need to be able to do now. And part of it, because Peter Atia is like, an, or he was an elite athlete. He was training super hard in various exercises and disciplines, and it just tears up your body. So it turns out he was, sounded like he was kind of backing off and he wasn't thinking, hey, I want to be able to lift the heaviest weights he was thinking, okay, how can I be able to lift weights or exercise or run or do some sort of, you know, lower impact for 40 years instead of doing like, you know, some killer workouts in the short term cycling and, you know, busting up your joints and, you know, having other skeletal issues or muscular issues like that. So, and that made me feel good because I'm not a, uh, I'm not (laughs) like a bodybuilder. I, I like go to the, I go to the gym and I try and be active, but I'm not thinking, Hey, I want to put on a bunch of muscle. I want to like really get strong or lift heavy weights. I'm just kind of like, I go through the motions. I enjoy, um, either going to a gym or like, you know, running around or walking around or hiking or something like that. So for me, I was like, Oh, that's great. Like I, it sort of validated what I feel is kind of my lack of ambition for like (laughs) working out harder. Cause some people are thinking, Hey, I want to run a half marathon. I want to do an ultra marathon. And in theory I do, but in practice, I'm a little lazier than that. Yeah. A 5k is okay. I ran a half marathon a couple of years ago and that, I'm glad to have done it to say I've done it, but never, ever again. One thing I remember about that podcast, too, is I think with the heart disease, if I remember correctly, he said that you see the same problems with your heart and cardiovascular system of of these athletes who, these endurance athletes that you see in sedentary people who have terrible diets. So you're doing the same damage to your body with extreme athletic activity that you do, that you're just sitting around. So why run 26 miles a day? You could just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and accomplish the same thing, apparently. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll move on to our own stuff. We do have our own ideas, but 
the interesting part with that, it was like the valves of the heart and some of the mechanics of the heart like wearing out because they're literally making their heart beat so many more times because they're exercising at a high level for like, you know, not like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. They're doing like four hours a day, like multiple times a week. These are like the very elite. We're not going to run into that that problem probably. No, no, <laughs> not a problem for me. And then what one other tangent before we go into our uh excited, absurd, and stupid or changed our mind on. I read your sort of annual review. I encourage people to check out your uh, blog and stuff like that. It was impressive. You walked something like 18,000 steps a day on average in 2020. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, About 18,000. And my Fitbit had crapped out for a week. So it was probably a bit more than that, maybe 19,000. So yeah, and I wasn't trying. I was just so active with... uh, my home construction uh, endeavors, especially in the beginning of the year, um, the homeschooling interrupted that. But yeah, I wasn't even trying to walk. It was just how I live my life now. I, I was a programmer before and I quit that and now I do whatever I want. And in the past year, that's manifested itself with working on a lot of home improvement stuff. We finished our basement. I built a deck, a pergola, all these other projects. And I'm just a much more active person. So yeah, 18,000 steps a day. I thought I was doing good. I think I averaged last year was, I think it was close to 13, five, 14,000. I can't remember, but I looked back historically over the last few years and I have been increasing a little bit, which surprises me because I haven't, like you said, I haven't tried. I think I'm just walking a little bit more than I have in the past. So with your 18,000, it kind of, I was like, man, if he if he could do it, like I should be able to walk that much. But yeah, that's a that's a shitload of steps. Yeah, you have a cheat code too. You have a dog. If I would have got it, maybe that's what I need to break the twenty thousand barrier. I need to get a dog or borrow yours sometime. Yeah, yeah. Just don't try to pet her. She's a crazy dog. We've had that conversation before. All right, noted. Let's get into it. Um, I'm going to kick it over to you first. Okay. So look at my notes here. We'll start with. Um, We'll start with something excite that you're excited about. Okay, is this excited or the changed mind category? Or excited? Yeah. Okay, excited about. So we were talking about Peter Atia a couple moments ago, and and this is something I've changed my mind about. So you probably remember this from your childhood, but I remember growing up, and the uh, the guidance, the health guidance was: you don't want to eat fat; you want a high sugar, low fat diet, and and we all subscribe to that, right? That's what the authorities said. And then we find out that the sugar industry, this sounds like conspiracy theory, but it's true. The sugar industry paid scientists to to prove this. And I think there was probably some lack of knowledge going on. But you introduced me to Peter Atia, and I was reading one of his blogs, uh, one of his posts. And I'm going to read this because it's pretty amazing. And I wanted to read this verbatim because it's so important. So Peter Atia, if you Google his high sugar post, says, quote, the impact of chronic sugar exposure is probably more significant than that of tobacco. I'm actually not being hyperbolic, end quote. So that's amazing. We're all taught to eat this horrible diet for all these years that he says is worse than smoking. Like, is that crazy? Like, how bad is smoking? And he's saying eating high sugar is worse than that. And I remember growing up like... We ate Fruit Loops or, or Captain Crunch every day for breakfast. And uh, it's in the past. And I kind of figured this out before reading that. It kind of hit home with that. But 
I realize now how addictive and what a a drug sugar is besides all the health effects. Like if I once in a while I'll eat a bowl of crappy cereal, we're at a hotel or something like that, and and then you're hungry like half an hour later for the same thing. I've never <laughs> done heroin, but I can imagine it's like the same thing. You need your next hit. And then that leads to insulin spikes and then your body, insulin resistance, your body puts away fat and metabolic disease and all these horrible things. So, uh, and I'm a sugar nut. I could eat 10 chocolate chip cookies in five minutes if you love me. So it's, it's hard, but it gets easier when you stop. So that's one thing I've definitely changed my mind about. And I'm healthier for too. This, uh, I used to avoid fat. That was the worst thing possible. Like I used to avoid any kind of, uh, I'm trying to think what, like even avocado, like a high quality fat, I would avoid just because it's a high fat thing. And now I realize how ridiculous that is. And since I've switched up my diet where I eat more fat, try to eliminate almost all sugar, we did the ketosis thing for a while. I've dropped tons of weight and been able to maintain it. I don't have the same cravings. And I feel the other big change is if I eat sugar, especially at certain times of the day, I just crash afterwards. I feel terrible, like lethargic, and now I'm more even keeled throughout the day. If I avoid sugar, I'm pretty much the same mood and same energy levels throughout the day. So, yeah, if you haven't tried to avoid sugar, try it for a month or two and see what happens. Have I I agree with you a hundred percent. I didn't note it in in my list here, but it's something that I like. Like you said, when we were growing up, like eat more grains, eat pasta, all that stuff. So I yeah, definitely all those things, and I've shifted a lot. Where you know I'll do intermittent fasting. I think you you yep. do that a little bit too. I do, and yeah, look, a typical breakfast that I enjoy having. I don't have it like every day. Cause I do intermittent fasting, but, uh, like bacon eggs and like an avocado with like some salsa on it. And it's like tons of fat, like tons of calories, but I'm not hungry. I don't have cravings. It's not like you get that spike and then crash or anything like that. And, you know, growing up in the eighties, uh, you know, toaster strudel, you got the terrible cereals. I was, you know, I'm from Atlanta, so we're drinking Coke, like it's uh, water, you know? So I, I know I had a ton, a ton of sugar and then slowly I've like whittled it down. Now, the one problem I do have right now is my wife, Elizabeth, she likes to cook desserts. I do most of the primary cooking, but yeah. she like bakes, she'll bake cookies and other stuff. And I am a monster. I will. Yeah. I'll just like eat cookies. Like you said, you can go through whatever, like a, a dozen or whatever, five cookies in two seconds or something. Like I can do that too. And I can eat like, I mean, I could eat the whole batch. It's nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a bad idea going into it. But, hey, I'm going to eat this whole box of Girl Scout Samoa's 15 cookies. And then you do <laughs> yeah. it anyway. Yeah. The sleeve is a serving size, in my opinion. <laughs> so The box is a serving size, in my opinion. And that's yeah. why we don't keep them around the house. Yeah. So, if it's that's the thing. If it's in the house, I'm going to just go after them. So, I have I do struggle with it and also with... um I guess just carbs in general. Cause my wife enjoys that stuff where I could probably, I could probably eat like meat and veggies or, you know, some, some other healthy fats or something or a salad with a, some good protein or something. But 
she's much more prone to say, Hey, what, what about some, do we have a starch? Like, can we get some pasta in the mix here? How about a bunch of potatoes or hash browns? So I've been, I try to wean her off, but I mean, I love the stuff too. So it's tough to, to stay away. Yeah. All right. Anything else with the, um, with that sort of topic range with uh, sugar or anything? Yeah, I think that's it. Just you touched on it briefly. The intermittent fasting is a huge one, and it kind of goes along with it. You wait till noon, you eat eggs, high protein, high fat, and you don't feel hungry. You're fine until dinner, and you've eliminated a third of your calories if you ate one-third at each meal for the day. So if you struggle with weight loss, it's hard at first, but push yourself to a noon meal, noon and maybe 6 o'clock for dinner, and uh, – the pounds melt right off and you don't really have to do anything else. All right. So one thing I'm excited about is dry January. So I haven't <laughs> had a drink in Whoa. whatever, 20, 20 days or so. Okay. And I feel really good. I haven't changed my diet. In fact, when you're cutting something out like that, where, you know, it's, it was a daily part of my day. I drink too much, like just admittedly. So I'm a home brewer. I really enjoy beer. And slowly over the last few years, I got to the point where I would drink like two, three, four beers a day and I work from home. So my, my work day, you know, is very flexible. I mean, if you could even call it that, and I maybe would go grab a beer from the kegerator, like three, three in the afternoon and you know, I don't have kids because I think that would be a little diff- a little different. If you grab a beer at three in the afternoon, your kids are like, dude, dad's a drunk. In the age but of COVID, no, it's just it's like fine. that. Yeah, it's fine. Now, it's, it's now the period where everyone's doing it and everyone is okay with it. But anyway, I was like, maybe this year, because I've done a dry January in the past and, you know, you feel pretty good. There's a bit of an adjustment. One, uh, because I've done it before, I understood some of the the trigger points. And h- have you read the book uh, Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg? I have not. It's, it's good. You should check it out if you have some uh, free time or something or audiobook. A habit has, there's a habit loop. So you have a, a cue and then you have a routine and then you have the reward. So for me, And for most habits, there's like multiple sources of cues. It could be the time of day. It could be the people you're with. It could be where you're at, which it turns out all those things come into play perfectly for me grabbing a beer at the end of the afternoon, even if I like don't really care to have one. So around, you know, four in the afternoon, I'm like, hey, it'd be great to have a beer. My wife works from home. She also likes to have a beer. And then... um, you know, you feel good after you drink a beer. I get some joy out of it too. So you got that in play and it just hits and we're at home. So that time of day, it's just like, go grab a beer, get one out of the fridge and um, it's just super easy. So one thing that I've done is re- replace the, you know, the bad habit with something more positive. So I've been drinking a lot of herbal tea, mm, okay. <laughs> which is, you know, I don't want to have caffeine at the end of the day. And the other thing is like uh, the fizzy carbonated waters, right? So there's, there's several different brands. It, it doesn't really matter, but it sort of mimics the, uh, you know, the carbonation of a beer. Yep. Obviously you're not getting drunk. It's a little healthier and I feel a little fuller too. So if, if you're full with carbonation, I'm not like, oh, I really want to get a beer. So honestly, it hasn't been hard at all. There's maybe been one or two days, maybe the end of a week that was stressful where 
we thought, hey, it'd be great to get a beer. So my wife is going dry this month as well. Sure. A couple of the impacts, uh, pretty quick. My sleep got a little bit better. So I've been sleeping usually on average about eight hours a night, which I'm more of a you know six and a half to seven because I will wake up super early. My mind will start getting into the day and then I end up just getting up because I'm like, ah, I may as well go ahead and get up and I don't mind waking up early. The other impact is around um, my heart rate. So my resting heart rate. So I have a, uh, like an Apple watch, but I think like a Fitbit or whatever will track your uh, resting or waking heart rate. And it's just steadily declined. So it's, over the last couple of days, it's been hitting like the very low fifties wow, to the high forties. And uh, thanks. Yeah. And like, I know when I drink, especially if I have like three, four beers in a evening or more, it'll be, you know, in the sixties, like the next day. And I know I don't sleep as well. So good, good things there. And then finally, I, usually it hasn't kicked in yet, but usually I'll lose a little uh, fat. So okay. not necessarily weight, but I have like one of the scales that'll tell you your uh, fat percentage. I don't know how accurate it is, but at least we have like a trend lined line. So we can see that, you know, I'm losing a little fat because it's just like empty calories and I'm yep. drinking like heavy beers. Yeah. You know? So anyway, dry January, I'm pumped about it. Um, I'm not sure how long, I mean, I'm looking forward to having a beer, um, but I think it's, it will make me think about it more deliberately like hey sure. do i really want to have a beer is it worth it to fuck up my sleep tonight yeah um like having too many because i think you know one or two is not going to be a huge deal you know you got to deal with extra calories there's some other factors but yeah i was just having too many too often it's been great okay hey yeah dog i'm doing the same thing and when you break your uh Dry January, we should have our beer together. I think that'd be, especially if we have a yes. nice day outside here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm curious. I'm, I don't, I hate looking at my phone, but I'm curious about the heart rate thing because I've been doing it too. And I'll say something about it briefly, but I'm going to look at my Fitbit app because it tracks the same thing. And I'm going to, I haven't been doing, oh, and there go the, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to look at my heart rate right now to see if it's been going down. Let's see, today, let's push this out to the month. Um, I'm curious. Uh, okay. So 64, 65. Okay. So January 10th, it was higher sixties, January 3rd, 63. And then we get back into December when I was drinking a lot. Yeah. 67, 69. Here's one of 70. So I guess I've had the same effect and I just haven't noticed it yet because I haven't been paying attention to my app. That's crazy. Huh? The one thing I echo with you, and this effect took a while to kick in. I, I've noticed that that beer screws up my sleep, especially now that I'm older. It really messes me up, especially if I'm uh, if I drink close to bedtime. So I try to avoid that. But this effect took a couple of weeks to kick in, and I'm like you. I probably when I was drinking more, not more. I would never even sleep seven hours. But last night I went to bed at nine forty-five. I think I fell asleep right away, which is unusual. And I woke up this morning at like 625, which is very, very late for me. So I actually got eight hours of sleep and I'm not going to look at my phone again, but, uh, and I actually feel good. So now I'm, I've, I have not done a dry January before, but now I'm reconsidering what my alcohol consumption looks like after this. And we weren't, we didn't drink every day, but 
I think even just the days we did drink has a lingering effect to screw up my sleep. Like you screw up your sleep one night and then your body has to adjust the next day. And so there's probably effects that stand after that. So I'm wondering uh, what changes I should make afterwards. Uh, when I worked, when I had a full-time job, the last time was in 2017, I would only drink on the weekends, Friday and Saturday, and that was it. And I'm thinking about maybe it's time to go back to that. And when I do, maybe er earlier in the day, day drinking has a lot of value because <laughs> <laughs> your body's back to normal by nighttime and the alcohol is worn off. So, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, to see yeah. what changes or maybe limited to social situations. But, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I've noticed the triggers more, like you said, if you've had a stressful week or it was just your routine. Hey, I finished the day. I want I want the beer. And I thought about what you said, too, kind of trying to find something to replace it with. And for us, we actually did the same thing with the fizzy water. We bought a 25-pound CO2 tank to save the money from the soda stream cartridges. And yeah. Bought a little hose from Amazon and mounted this thing in the wall. It looks pretty cool. And uh, that's been part of it. And Mindy's been doing the dry thing. And she said the same thing you said. She's like, wow, this fizzy water is so good. It's kind of a replacement for alcohol for me. Like, I don't feel like I need to drink when I have it. So that's one thing. But maybe one other thing I thought of is like, hey, I've got the urge to have a beer instead of doing this negative thing for my body. Why don't every time I have that urge, I go for a walk or a bike ride and do something positive? And I haven't, that's just a thought I had. I haven't actually tried it, but I will. Um, so, yeah, less beer is good. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling we'll, we'll really appreciate that one that we have in January. <laughs> yeah. Or in February, sorry. What day is February 1st? Not that we're, it's only like 10 days away. It's not long. Well, and the, the other thing is we can start planning like what beer we're going to drink. And we could be like, be excited about it. So yeah. it's, you know, it's more fun, like packed into the one beer. Oh, it's gonna I think really we're going to have more than one beer. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's going to taste really good. We'll uh, yeah. get a special one. Yeah. One thing I should add, a, a disclaimer, and you don't have to answer this, but I didn't cut out edible marijuana. So here in the great state of Colorado, it, you, it's a thing you can do. So I've had a couple edibles um, like on a weekend or something like that. And, you know, for, for other people in different states, you may think, hey, that's absolutely bananas. That's crazy. But yeah. it's kind of a normal, normal thing in the states that it's legal, which there's quite a few now. So, yeah, it's very normal here. I've tried the edibles before and the effect it has on me is they put me to sleep. So with no other effects, <laughs> I experimented once and then didn't try it again. But maybe I just had the wrong kind or something. Yeah, there's there's many varieties and I'm not like a connoisseur or anything like that. But there are some that will just make you fall asleep and you're like totally out of it. And you'll have a bit of a, you know, lingering kind of hangover the next day. And then there's others where it's not going to make you sleepy. It makes you sort of like more creative and maybe a little more. It allows your mind to, to wander okay. a little bit. So cool. it doesn't put you to sleep. So anyway, it's been great. And I think... Yeah, like you said before, I may, I may not limit it as much. I'm, I'm, I'll probably make it complicated where I'm like, okay, I could have one beer per day, but any one day it can't be more than you know two or three, unless it's a social situation or a weekend, and like have all these different <laughs> rules. But yeah, I think you know cutting down it's just there, there's so many like other health benefits and potentially you know just be able to walk more. Because uh, you don't feel bad and hungover. I mean, there could be other, you know, recovery, like after you do a big hike or work out really hard, like it could be impacting that stuff too. But sure. I don't do it often enough to really realize it. So. Sure. 
All right. Um, you want to do one of yours that is absurd or stupid? <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, so I read this. This will be a short one. This will be an absurd and it could be in the amazing category, too. But I was reading about the uh, the asteroid impact that killed the dinosaurs this week, like 65 million years ago. This huge thing showed up from space and it was a massive asteroid. It was 26 kilometers across, like huge in it. From the time it entered the atmosphere to the time it hit the bottom of the ocean, and apparently it was moving so fast and so hot that it just vaporized the water in front of it. But the thing hit with such speed and such impact that it sent a bunch of crap back up into space. And I'll back up a second. Um, sometimes you read about finding Mars rocks on Earth, and it's mostly, the I think, Antarctica. And what happens is you have a large impact on Mars, uh, stuff and materials ejected out, out of the atmosphere, and then some of it finds its way into the gravitational pull of Earth. So you'll find these red rocks just laying on the snow in the middle of Antarctica. But what happened with the dinosaurs and with this Yucatan impact is the thing hit with such force that there are probably dinosaur parts in space and on the moon. So if you were to go to the moon, <laughs> and there's sparse, there's there's not much of it, but there is there are dinosaur bones or pieces of them on the moon. You'd really have to know what you're looking for and do a biological test on, on the material. And isn't that crazy? There's a part of a femur of a T-Rex right now in some crater like, <laughs> like on the moon or probably like a That's orbiting Jupiter because it got ejected into space. And so, yeah, there's a T-Rex orbiting Jupiter somewhere. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And I wonder if, let's say like a, a limb or a leg made it out there, like would it, de would that decay in space? Cause there's no like oxidation. I don't know like what would happen. Do you have any thought? Like, is there a, yeah, like a leg out there or like a toenail of a dinosaur yeah. that could be going by? You're like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that like the DNA would certainly decay in the delicate biological material would, but there would definitely be some of it there. And 100 million years from now, some aliens are going to be sitting around a planet by Alpha Centauri and a dinosaur bone is going to show up. They're going to be like, what the hell is this? I, the other amazing thing to consider with that impact is if it would have, if the Earth would have been in a different place, like three seconds plus or minus, that thing would have whizzed by the Earth and, uh, and there would still be dinosaurs here and no humans. That impact wiped out the dinosaurs and gave way to mammals. Before that, there were very small ones that the T-Rex couldn't readily eat. But if, uh, yeah, a little bit, timing would have been a little bit different. We would not be here and there'd probably be, a, well, I guess it's cold here. They would have probably migrated to somewhere else. They would have been living in Mexico. But yeah, we wouldn't be here right now. Crazy to think about. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So I'll do one from my absurd and stupid category. I, I have more than five listed for that, but I'll talk about something sort of silly. So I sneak into the old apartment complex that I used to live in and I use the gym there. Nice. So it's very close. I can walk to it. And the thing I say sneak in, but I'm friends with the staff. So they're, they just like, Oh, Hey, what's up? You can go work out there. And it's kind of nice. I mean, I, I do like to go to a gym where there's some equipment and stuff like that. And the thing is, there's hardly anyone in there most of the time. So I can go in there. They have good, fast Wi-Fi. And it's been a nice way to um, you know, not have to 
go and join a gym or anything like that. And of course, during COVID, there's been obviously limitations on, on gyms and what they can do and all that stuff. But anyway, that is a kind of a stupid, <laughs> weird thing. I assume they're not going to watch or listen to this, but is, yeah. Is there a keypad in there or do you just, or is it just open or? So that, that's the trick. So I can only, I can only work out when the office is open because I walk in the front door of the lobby yeah. and then that joins into the gym. So okay. when I lived there, I had one of the, the key fob uh-huh. situations so you could get in 24 hours a day. So I have to work out during the business hours of the, you know, leasing office. But yeah, it's a, l- a little bit stupid, a little bit silly. I've, I mean, I could afford to join a gym, but you know, it's right there. <laughs> This reminds me of an old joke, but if I shave my head and beard, would I look like you? Hey, it's Doug, and I know where you, you used to live, Doug, so maybe you'll see me around your uh, – <laughs> we had just joined our, our gym for a temporary thing in in the beginning of March, and we were doing really good. Minnie and I would go like three or four times a day for two hours a day, and then boop, like COVID happened. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll see you around your old apartment <laughs> building, Doug. And, and you, um, you're at the rec center or you were working out at the rec center. Is that right? Yeah, or somewhere else? We would sign up temporarily for that in the wintertime and it became really good. We'd go there and run, run around the track or use the pool. And in the summertime, we had transitioned to uh, outdoor pursuits. But uh, yeah, that all got blown out of the water during COVID. But lately I've gotten back into it. I just put a pull-up bar in my living room because it's the only place i've got space for it but i'm down to like six i was up to 10 before so i'll get back up to it i hope yeah yeah you'll do it you'll do it and speaking of like the home gym kind of stuff like we cleaned up our basement a little bit and there's a ton of room down there so we i have a few things um that that i can use in there because you know sometimes i want to work out in the the uh, leasing office is not open, so I can't go to my own personal <laughs> gym that I sneak into. It's so silly. I mean, uh, d- would you, do you judge me for it at, at all, or uh, how bad is that? <laughs> oh, geez, yeah, I don't know if, uh, yeah, if no one else is using it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've done similar things before. I'm trying to think of an example of something like that that I've done, but uh, in my old work. I was uh, the the executives would have these big corporate lunches in these break rooms. So I would. Uh, this is a silly story. I was super frugal, so I'd look these up, and they'd leave like tons of food, like sandwiches in their wrappers and stuff. And these people would come clean it up and throw it out. So I would find out when they're meeting and go up there and raid their food. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess that's a little bit different than the working out. But yeah, yeah I don't. Uh, I don't know. Um, the net benefit is you'll be a lesser burden on society because you'll be healthy so it'll all come back to payback and then the taxes won't have to go up as much and people will be able to afford that apartment <laughs> building more so you're doing them a benefit in a roundabout way i'm, I'm stretching yeah here, yeah that's well i'm going to choose to look at that, your situation that is a good one and I'll, I'll pepper on a couple other details as a defense for myself here so Number one, they know I'm going in there and I'm, I'm friendly with the staff. So I did a few things ahead of time. So one was I was a good tenant, like overall. So some people will really fight the leasing office and be jerks and not really respect the people or get to know them. And I, I was friends with like, or not friends, but I was friendly with like the maintenance crew. You know, some people just like don't pay attention to anyone that works there. And I do, I would talk to them and other names and stuff like that. 
And then the other thing is I left reviews for the apartment complex on multiple platforms Ah, so they know exactly who I am. I also shared some of their stuff on like social media otherwise. So it's stuff that they were trying to get people to do and they were trying to like incentivize them, giving gift cards or whatever. But I did like, you know, above and beyond. So they're like, oh, this guy's all right. He's been nice to us. He chatted with us like he wasn't treating us like, uh, you know, we work for him or something like that. And then I did something like for the company. So they're like, all right, this guy's all right. Like net benefit. You know, he's he's not like leaving a mess in the gym. He's not leaving trash in there. He wipes his, you know, machinery down after he gets done with it. So hopefully... And that's why they're not like, dude, get out of here. You can't, you moved out like a year ago, man. Yeah. After all, they should be paying you. I'm sure they've gotten leases because <laughs> of your positive reviews. Yeah. So that is a weird thing. That is a weird thing. All right. Tell us something you're excited about or something that's amazing for you. So I was thinking about something the other day, and I hope this isn't bragging in the current context of the world. But well, one thing I've thought that's pretty amazing is I really haven't been Six since I left my job in April of 2017. Not a cold, not a flu, not a sore throat, like nothing. And uh, as a kid, I was sick all the time. I probably missed more school than most of the kids in my class. And even as an adult, I would probably have the, a cold or get a sore throat a couple times a year. Um, I used to have asthma too. And for some reason, it just went away. I used to have to use an inhaler multiple times throughout the day, which you're actually not supposed to do. And then it just w- went away. And uh, the only thing I could think of is I'm much more active now. So before 2017, I was a programmer. I had a desk job. You had mentioned my 18,000 steps a day. I would be surprised if I got 5,000 a day when I was working because I was just behind a desk all day. It was a stressful job, and I just sat there pretty much the whole time. And now I'm much more active. I spend a little bit of time behind the computer, but I spend most of my time either outside or Building stuff. I'm currently rehabbing my house. Uh, I was listening to uh, Peter Atia again, and he was talking about a study that was done. And it might have been the Farmington study. I'm I'm not going to get this quite right, but he was talking about how uh, during Vietnam, when vets came back who who had been killed in action, they would do autopsies on them, and they discovered that there was plaque buildup in their arteries. And it was then that doctors figured out that uh, plaque buildup isn't something that happens when you're old. It's this thing that happens throughout your whole life, and it just happens to build up to a point where you're going to have a heart attack or stroke or some other cardiovascular anomaly at at an old age. And I think it was in the same podcast, he talked about how important activity is. So he mentioned young people in college that ate pretty healthy but were sedentary, and they would have plaque buildup as well. I hope I'm getting all this right. So just the benefits of being active and moving around and just walking, getting your steps, and you don't have to run. You don't have to engage in heavy weight exercise, but just to be active and doing stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure the Mayo Clinic has defined sitting disease as a thing, and all that is is uh, just a sedentary life. And I believe they said that's as dangerous as a pack of cigarettes too, like lack of movement. So if you're sitting around watching – TV all day or, or doing things like that, uh, you're going to be in trouble later on in life. And I like to think maybe that's part of the reason that I haven't been sick, that I've been more active and I move around at my age of 47 more than I ever have in my entire life, especially maybe when I was like 10 riding a bike around all day. But <laughs> it feels good. I feel 
better than I have in years, too. It's crazy. People talk about over the hill at 40, I feel better at 47 than I have in years, no aches and pains or anything like that. So amazing. There yeah. you have it, stay active. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, I, I got like strep throat a bunch as a kid and then eventually I got my tonsils taking it, taken out and that sort of helped that out. But this past like couple years, I haven't been sick either. And we're, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, everyone's washing their hands and wearing <laughs> masks right now and we're not going out as much, but for us, we're going out almost as much as we were before. And yeah, it is kind of amazing. His, um, you know, what about Mindy? Just curious, has, has she been like also, you know, healthier? Did, did she? Um, yeah, she's, the same? she's been pretty healthy too, but I think she was always healthier than me to begin with. So it's hard, uh, but she's definitely more sedentary because she still has a podcast and does work on that. But uh, we force each other to get out. Like we go through for long walks around the neighborhood. So I probably get closer to 20,000 steps a day and she's at 10,000. But that's still good. We're outside and we're moving around. And uh, we're moving around a lot because we happen to have a lot going on. We just sold our house and a bunch of other stuff. So we've been moving around. But, yeah, she's been pretty healthy too. Our kids are the sick ones. But miraculously, they haven't gotten us sick. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But not complaining. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess there's like the stress level too, um, where like it just wears down your body. So you got out of the stressful job, you're more active, you're outside, you're doing stuff you enjoy. So maybe that, I mean, does that boost your immune system too? Or am I just yeah, connecting? I, I think it does. So a real quick tangent, like uh, when I quit my job, I had a friend tell me I'm going to die early because I wouldn't have any purpose in life. And he, he said, oh, this happens to People, he pointed to something, and I could never find what he was talking about. But I think it's quite the opposite. You do have to have purpose in life. I definitely agree with that. But uh, I'm confident, unless I get struck down by some anomaly like cancer or some shit like that, that I'm going to live longer because I quit because I'm so much more active. I don't have stress. And, yeah, you're right, Doug. Stress is huge because stress makes you lose sleep. It wears you down. All these negative body uh, results and you know, sleep is so important. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to live longer because I stopped working. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like happier since I got laid off. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, what I, I hear uh, studies and I hear about books and stuff, but I don't, I don't read them. So I'm going to talk uh, just out of my ass here for a second. But I, I believe a lot of the happiness metrics are associated with like having autonomy, working on what you want to. So like you said, maybe busy. It took months to get you uh, in this room and scheduled uh, to chat with me here. <laughs> but it, I mean, you're busy. You're doing stuff. You're not like without purpose. You just had to like realign. And I mean, I got to say, it would be pretty sad if our purpose would, was to write code for a big company and like implement software projects. That's a pretty dumb purpose. If, sorry for people that are doing that, but I'm pretty sure most of the people I worked with were like, yeah, my purpose is to work on this billing software. <laughs> yeah, you're right. you're right about that. I was a software guy too. And the actual, the figuring out the puzzle part of the software was the fun part, but all that other stuff that went with it was, uh, yeah, all, all negatives. No one ever said, yay, I've got a meeting coming up. No one ever said that or, yay, I've got a, a deliverable to or here's my action item. Oh, God, I'm getting, I'm going to have PTSD thinking those words. I know. Ooh. Do you ever have like uh, stress dreams where you're like in a uh, 
conference room and you're like in a meeting. I have. Oh, I've had those where I'm back at work. And it's funny because I've had the classical weird dreams too where you wake up and you're naked or you're in your underwear at school. But yeah, I've had that one a couple times where I work and where I'm at work. And I remember one time I woke up in a cold sweat. I'm like, holy shit. And then I'm like, no, no, no. It was just a dream. And it's one of those that's so real that it takes a couple minutes for you to for you to process it. Like, oh no, it, really, there is no work that that ended. And I, I do work. It's just work that I prefer to do. So I hate when people say they're quitting work because we all need meaningful work in our lives. It's just the forced work that doesn't align with your core goals and core being. That's the kind of work you want to extricate yourself from as soon as possible. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's often a lot of, you know, politics, ne- negativity and like other people. I mean, you could work at a place where everyone's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, usually there's, you know, there's always some bad, bad folks here or there that could like bring down a, even a whole team or an organization. But yeah, I, we're working here right now, but I love this. I love talking to you, Doug. So I'm sorry it took so long. That's a whole other story, <laughs> COVID related. But uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is great. I would do this every week, like, because it's fun. But uh, you could call it work too. You're making a little bit of money from this, and I suppose, and I'm getting enjoyment from it. So awesome, yeah. And I'm, I was just giving you a hard time. It was, it was over the holidays. <laughs> so I was out of town for like three weeks. I mean, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's all good, man. COVID messes with you, even if you don't get the disease, the secondary and tertiary effects. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Okay. So I'm going to do one on, this is kind of a combo, something I changed my mind on slash stupid, absurd. And it's a bit of a serious topic. So my mom passed away from cancer in early November. She had um, pancreatic cancer and, you know, she went through chemo a couple of times. She had surgery. And of course, you know, midway through her treatments, COVID hit. And obviously she was older. She was in her early seventies. She had cancer. She was going through chemo. She hit all these uh, like immunocompromised, like don't travel, don't do anything. And her doctors, uh, I'm glad they did. They, they said, live your life, like do, do your thing. Pancreatic cancer is often, you know, either really quick or, you know, the, it's a, a bad kind of cancer. All cancer is bad, but some some are a little bit more uh, likely for a person to recover or chemo is more effective or radiation, what have you. So the sort of absurd part is my parents continued to travel and like visit the kids. So they got to see my sister's family in Pennsylvania and they came out here to visit me and my wife and check out our place too. And we were so nervous to have her on the planes and like traveling. And even my, obviously my dad's older too. So um, it was crazy. And, you know, part, some of it's really sad, you know, she had surgery and then she couldn't have any visitors. Obviously there's a bunch of family that she had locally, but they couldn't even come to see her. Now it may have actually been better because she was able to rest and recover for those five days. So I don't know if she really minded it. Honestly, I'm not sure if she, um, how sedated she was and that sort of thing too. But for us, I mean, it was, it was traumatic to go through. And then with some, some people are quarantining very hard and some other folks are, you know, more likely to, to go out and do stuff. And I, I flew a few times since lockdown situations. I've done road, I've 
driven back to Atlanta twice. So that's a multi-day trip. You're encountering, you know, hundreds of people. So, you know, again, part of the absurdity is like how, um, you know, almost everyone was wearing a mask, like going into uh, gas stations, like across many, many states. And, you know, it, it was just interesting. So everything was crazy, uh, hard to lose a parent, of course. And I don't have a conclusion other than it, it was really weird. And we were very nervous about her traveling, but she never even got a cold, like no issues. And, you know, she you know, passed away from, from the cancer, you know, taking over her body and everything. So, yeah, uh, I had COVID on as one of my absurd categories too. And to build on what you said, my, my father passed away in the summer and his situation was a little bit different. He had an aortic dissection back in April, which is when your aorta tears. And there's two ways to detect that. One way is you just happen to have a scan. The other way it happens, like my father happened, which is an emergent situation. Uh, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of Chase, had it too. And when that happens to you, you usually die because your aorta ruptures, you bleed out really quick. It's actually, I was talking to a doctor and it's a pleasant way to die, painless, quick, you're over. But he didn't pass away right away. But he was already in a pretty weakened state, so he just never recovered from the surgery, and eventually we just decided to end life support measures. But going back to the COVID thing, um, so difficult. I, I saw my dad, it was my parents' 50th anniversary about two weeks before he had this. So I saw him on a Zoom call, and that would be the last time I ever saw him again. The last time I saw him in person was October of 2019 for my sister's wedding, so uh, no one was allowed in by the time I would have been allowed in. We drove out to Las Vegas. He passed away before I got there. He was cremated and that was it. And, uh, yeah, just absurd. I kind of prefer it that way. I'd, I'd rather be left with the memories of how he was when he was alive than seeing him in, in that state. But yeah, COVID, just a, a world of absurdity. You mentioned it took me five months to be on the podcast and that's because, I do my best thinking when I'm alone. I like to have a thought and then go for a walk. And when you're around other people all the time, your brain just doesn't have any quiet time and there's no time for creativity. So I, I agreed to this many months with you, Doug. And then I'm like, shit, I, I can't come up with anything. I just don't have any time because the kids are around all the time. I'm trying to wrap up these projects and I, I don't think I can come up with anything worthwhile for your podcast. So I got to postpone this and that even this morning I came with, with one, what I think is the best one that I'll say for the end. But yeah, you learn a lot about yourself with COVID. I don't want to go too far off the topic, but yeah, how hard is it to have a medical emergency, not COVID in the age of COVID where you might not be able to see the person or the protocol might be different or COVID itself might, might take them out, even though it it's the, uh, it's going to push them over the edge and that's going to be it. That happened. We know two people died from COVID and both of them were that other things going on and COVID pushed them over the edge. But yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> absurd in so many ways. I, I hope everyone has learned something about themselves. I, I certainly have. Yeah. And I was going to say, we can kind of go on the little tangent with, you know, you're around people a lot more because uh, the girls are, are home and, you know, you're homeschooling and stuff like that. And for me, like I said, it's been largely the same, you know, I feel, you know, okay. And I know it's been tough even on introverted folks who maybe are usually okay, you know, being alone, 
being at home. And of course it's kind of the opposite for you because you have more people around, but yeah, for me that that's kind of an absurd thing too, where I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's kind of fine. Like I have some uh, acquaintances and friends online. So I have decent interaction with folks on kind of a normal basis. And then for, uh, you know, I'm one of those weird people that can just operate. uh, I mean, I love hanging out with people and I can't wait to have like some more, uh, you know, social events around here and stuff like that. But on a daily basis, I'm okay just being with myself and hanging out with a dog. <laughs> so if you would not have watched the news and not gone outside, like you wouldn't even know COVID was happening right now, you would have gone outside and see people with masks on and been, what the hell is going on here? It's, so, and you know what? I don't watch the news or I like don't consume much news. So yeah. usually it takes someone telling me about it or I will accidentally see it on social media, which yeah. I'll talk more about in a second. But you know what? Part of it's maybe not the best thing that I have my head in the sand. Like it's just too easy for me to um, be unaware of things that maybe I should be no, aware I, of. I think you're right. I think you're doing it exactly right. Most news is worthless. And if it's very important. Someone's going to mention it to you in the course of the day or the course of one of your Zoom calls. There's no news is so toxic for the mind. I try to avoid it at all costs, too. But uh, one funny COVID story for me, I used to enjoy being in the house by myself, like working on the home. So the girls would go to school and Mindy would go record a podcast at her office or somewhere else. And I just turn on Slay or something, blast the stereo, and, like run around the house, get my hammer out. And, uh, like a month ago was the first time I had been in the house by myself since COVID started. And I remember Mindy telling me, she's like, okay, I'm going to take the girls out. We've got some shopping to do or something like that. I'm like, yes. And the first thing that popped in my head was I'm going to date myself here. The movie Risky Business where Tom Cruise is like sliding on the wood floor in his underwear with a microphone singing. I'm like thinking in my head, okay, I'm going to put this song on and I'm going to put it. My amp goes to 11. I'm going to blast it off. And it's pretty crazy since I've been in the house by myself, like one other time. And it's kind of magical. But yeah, it's hard too because I enjoy conversations with people too, just not all the time. Like to have a good conversation about with someone I can relate to like right now is I'm in a good place after today and I will be. It kind of recharges, mm-hmm. recharges me for a while. So it's a delicate balance, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is tough. It is tough. One thing I've changed my mind about is that you can change your mind. Uh, I've been reading lots of books lately about, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, about happiness. I'll say that. One was Solving for Happy, written by an ex-Google engineer. What else have I read? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And uh, the, the one I'm reading now is Think Like a Monk. And they all, a lot of them talk about the same basic shit. And a lot of it is just how to, most of it is, it, what life is about is living your life in the day-to-day existence and how to react to situations. So they'll say things like, separate your stimulus from response. So if you're driving in traffic and someone cuts you off, instead of letting your monkey mind jump in there and give them the middle finger and yelling obscenities out the window, try to separate that, uh, think of a strategy, and you'll be in a happier place. So it for that example, if someone cuts me off now, I'll say, yeah, you, you know, you should just relax. Maybe that guy is trying to get to someone in the hospital. Maybe he's having a bad day. You should be thankful that you have this nice car to drive in and that you're in no hurry to get to your job. Life is good. Why let this person 
who won't remember this incident in five minutes interfere with your happiness. With that said, you can read all you want about this. And, and the thing I found is, or the thing I thought is, oh, yeah, I could just read this book and then poof, it's going to change. My mind is going to change. And then it doesn't. So you can know all this, but it takes work. You have to put this into practice every day and kind of have this background soundtrack going in your mind. So every time, and Tim Ferriss talked about this on a podcast too. I think he said he was going to do a month where he doesn't complain about anything. So if you're going to separate your stimulus from your response, you're not complaining. You have to be cognizant of your mind all the time and intercept these thoughts and and change your brain. The other really good thing I found with this solving for happiness is he said, your brain is not who you are. Like your brain is going to throw all these thoughts at you and what you do with the thoughts defines who you are. And I thought that was pretty amazing because, I don't know, sometimes we all go to dark places or have a shitty thought or we we think negatively about someone and we shouldn't. But, and I used to kind of judge myself for it. Like, why am I like this? Why, why am I having this awful thought this time? But, but that book made me realize like, no, it's okay to have the thought. It's what you do with the thought. If you actually entertain it and what actions you take based on the thought, but it takes work. So where I was going with all this is you can read all this self-help book, but if you work at it and uh, this is a bad way to put it, but put your mind to it and have it going. Like I could slowly feel myself starting to change and become a happier person. And this is still ongoing for me. It's going to take, I think, probably years to be in the enlightened place where I where I dream to be. But you can do it. You can become a, a, a different person. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. I've definitely changed a lot over the past, whatever, 15, 20 years, because I, you know, changed careers and, and shifted. I'm interested in different things. And, you know, the traffic example that you gave is a fantastic one. Cause I used to have to sit in traffic when I had my job and yeah, I would get fucking pissed off, you know, and, and I would get annoyed. And now I think one of the biggest things for me, not having a traditional job and, you know, maybe, I don't know if we want to call it like semi-retirement. Now we won't call it that. I'm just not working at a place, but I'm not in a hurry when I go to 90% of the places. So I have a, you know, slow, crappy old pickup truck and uh, it's nice. I like it still. Uh, oh, I think it's pretty nice. I was admiring it when I yeah. came in today. Yeah. It's, it's tough to park in front of Mr. Money <laughs> Mustache HQ with a V8, you know, big truck. Uh, but I don't drive much. So the point is, um, I'm usually not in a hurry and I drive slow. So people are like zooming around me. They're like, what's wrong with you, dude? But I'm like, eh, you know, I'm just uh, not in a hurry. You know, I don't need to be in a hurry for most of the places I'm going. Life has lived better in the slow lane. That was, I think, a lyric I heard in a song the other day, but so true. Like, just, I don't know, drive slow, look around, appreciate your existence and... Uh, don't be in a hurry to get anywhere or else all of a sudden you realize you're in the coffin and that'll be it. So, yeah, not in a hurry. So that, that's an excellent one. And I think, I mean, are you doing um, anything specific to help you um, either not react or whatever shift you're trying um, to make to deliberately like practice this each day? Because essentially it's like a constant every time you have an input you have to make a decision how you're going to react to it. Yeah. So, so. Oh, man, two things. So 
people always talk about the importance of gratitude, and that's in all these self-help books too, these happiness books. So I, I never really understood it. I never got a good explanation, but that's a huge part of it. So when when, when something annoys me, I try to twist my thought around. So, hey, I hit my finger with a hammer. <laughs> I actually took it out with a grinder and a hammer and a sliver on like the course of two weeks. But you turn that around to a place of gratitude. I'm so thankful that I have these great tools that help me do this work. And what's my basement going to look like? Sure, I hurt my finger for the day, but it's fine. It's going to heal. Hopefully, the feeling comes back eventually. And I can still play the guitar. It didn't touch the tip. So I'm, I'm going to have this basement because I have this grinder tool and this hammer. And I have the knowledge and I have this great resource for YouTube or uh, my one before. This guy cut me off in traffic. But I've got a reliable car that's paid off. And I, and I live in a country and I have good friends. I should be so thankful that I have this car. So turn your negative thought to a place of gratitude. Uh, and the other thing I do is force myself to relax. Um, I'm a full throttle type of person, especially when I get obsessed with the project. I'm moving my washer and dryer now. I'm building this little thing and redoing the plumbing and electricity. And if left to my own devices, I would, if Mindy and the kids were to go away, I would work at that thing 16 hours a day, nonstop till it was done. So now it, it, that's not a healthy way to live. Uh, I force myself relaxation. I, I, I force relaxation upon myself. So I force myself to go for a walk. I turn my phone on airplane mode. I'm allowed to take a note, but not look up anything and just stop and pay attention and, and look around. So yeah, gratitude and forced relaxation. Try to live life in the slow lane. Like I'm already 47. I still feel good, but shit, 47. Like half yeah. my years are probably done for. I got to, uh, <laughs> and those are the good years too. I imagine being eight feels a lot better than being 98 if I'm fortunate enough to make it that long. But yeah. suppose you get happier as you get older too. Well, and you're, you're already working on it. So you should be going down, you know, just the right path to be happier. So. <laughs> I hope so. We'll see. So I'm going to piggyback sort of on the the topic of like, full throttle and doing so much. And one thing that I'm changing my mind on, or at least shifting is productivity. So I like the topic of productivity. I like the different, you know, task management uh, systems and like getting more done and all that stuff. But again, slow lane, um, I'm kind of the same way where I'll get obsessed with something and it's really easy for me to just it, whatever it is, whether it's a physical, you're building something or you're, you know, working on code or something like that, I can just bulldog my way through it and just sit there and keep working on it for, you know, unhealthy hours. So I'm sort of like reevaluating my relationship with productivity and like, is my goal to be as productive as I can for as many hours to have some output? And obviously based on the last few points that we were talking about, like we're in the luxurious spot, like it doesn't escape us that we don't have to produce as much as we were doing. Okay. We don't, we could go slower. Yeah. It's all arbitrary at this point. Yes. So, and then again, I know like, um, depending on, you know, where, where you're at and in, in your uh, specific journey, uh, working or career or whatever it is you're trying to do, like Carl and I know we're, we're pretty lucky that we can say, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to take it a little easier. We don't have to push as hard. So and it, it sounds like you've arrived at that point some, some time ago. I mean, you've, you've been doing this, um, you know, no corporate job for a little while. 
Yeah, you still have to remind yourself every day. Um, one other tip, if you're done with your thought or when you're done with yeah, your thought. You got it. Yeah, so we're in the Mr. Money Mustache headquarters. And one thing when I met that guy is uh, if you ever talk to Pete, one thing you don't do is say, hey, I'm having a party on Friday. You want to come over if it's like a week ahead? He's like, no, I, I don't plan anything. I'm like, wow, how do you do that? Like you don't put anything on your calendar? Like you have no plans? and. It was kind of weird, and I didn't understand where he was coming from at that time, but I've since learned that uh, he's dead right on that part. Of course, you have to plan some stuff in your life, but once you plan something, once you say, hey, I'm going to do this at 8 p.m., or I'm going to plan to have this goal done, it sets this thing in your mind. It puts pressure on you. It takes you out of the moment, and if you don't have to be at that place, I mean – there's no reason to put that arbitrary goal or constraint on your life. If a friend invites you to something, you can say, oh, yeah, I, I'll probably be there. I think that's open, but don't force yourself into anything like that. Put it on the calendar, but, um, yeah, stop planning. I <laughs> I can't say it any more eloquently than that. Planning is toxic. That is an amazing insight. That's huge. Like the, It makes um, – obviously, I – we're going to have a great episode out of this, but like, I didn't realize that that is a thing that I do. Cause I don't like to be late for stuff. I'm usually fairly punctual and that sort of thing. And if I put like, we have full flexibility, right? With my schedule, I can schedule things whenever I want. And, uh, accidentally a few things got booked for me today. So I'm a little stressed out today. Cause I have like a few extra things that popped up. Um, some of it was external. I could have told some people no. Um, and we, we were talking off, off, uh, off the record earlier, but yeah, I mean, I could have, I could have said, Hey, you know, I'm not going to do this thing because I had some other things planned, but you know, it's a friend. So I'm going to, you know, it's not a huge deal, but yeah, putting those sort of, uh, arbitrary, like, Hey, I'm going to schedule this thing, um, is something that does produce stress for me probably on a weekly basis. Yeah. Cause I, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do X. And I'm like, I don't have to do X on that day. I can do it yeah. some other day. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't know I didn't have to plan. <laughs> planning is bad. Here I've been planning the whole time. I'm obsessed with technology and I, uh, I, I like to think about the future often and, uh, Technology is weird because you don't really accept it or realize it's happened or embrace it until it's already upon you. Like I remember when the Steve Jobs announced the iPhone in January 2007, we all had Blackberries and Nokia phones or whatever. And I remember even Steve Ballmer, the CEO of Microsoft, saying, oh, this is going to be a flop. And it was kind of a clown because I don't think, how could you see that thing? And, and not think that that was the future, but uh, and it came to sting them. But, um, yeah, so it's hard to understand technology until it's upon you. Like, uh, now we all, we all have these phones and BlackBerry and RIM. I don't, RIM and Nokia, I don't even know what's going on with them. But uh, there's a couple changes that are coming down the pipe that I think are pretty similar. Uh, and before I tell you about those, one of my favorite quotes is from William Gibson. I have no idea what he is, but he said, the future is all around us. It's just not evenly distributed. So there's people already doing these things that I'm going to talk about or planning them. They just haven't uh, made it to our life or your neck of the woods yet. Uh, the first one I'm thinking about is electric cars. I was reading in Norway and Sweden, the the uh, rate of electric car purchase is already more than fuel cars, and it's getting difficult to sell a fuel car because the tipping point 
has happened. So if you have a gas car and all diesel, which they tend to prefer in Europe, it's becoming harder to sell those. I think in Norway, it might have been like 67% of cars were electric uh, in the fourth quarter. It's just huge. And we're rapidly approaching that tipping point. You see uh, China and Western Europe and even some of the states in the United States are mandating that all cars have to be electric. I think Norway was 2025. I forget when China is. Maybe 2035, and I think California, Maine, I forget what three states, but they all said electric cars are going to happen soon too. But I don't think that would have have to have happened for people to embrace it because they're already much cheaper to own. I, I did the calculation and to charge a Tesla up, and here in Colorado, it would be like $10. Uh, on top of that, there's no maintenance. There's no oil changes. There's nothing to go wrong with it. So the limiting factor now is the supply and the initial cost, but in the next year or two, the cost will be cheaper. So why would you buy a gas car when you can buy something cheaper uh, that doesn't require maintenance? It's cheaper both the initial purchase and, and driving it becomes cheaper. Why would you ever buy something fuel burning, maybe for a road trip, but charging stations are taking care of that. The other thing I think is amazing, which is a little bit crazier, is uh, I think people will probably... If they don't walk on Mars before this decade is up, we're going to be pretty close to it. Um, uh, that's made possible by landing rockets. Um, the thing you always hear to explain that is what happens if every time you flew on a plane, they had to throw out the plane and come up with a new plane every time you flew. If that was the case, every plane flight would cost millions of dollars. And that's how space flight was too. But now that we're reusing rockets, I, I think this morning Tesla – reused the rocket for the eighth time with a 38-day turnaround. So that's incredible. They don't have to throw out this whole first booster stage. They can rehab it a little bit, check it out, make sure it's okay, fill it up with uh, kerosene and send the thing back up again. So that's going to make uh, these big goals like, like Mars. Mars is no small endeavor. You have to send a rocket up there. You have to send fuel up there to fuel the thing, and you have to send it on its way. But this reusability is going to change everything. Um, as a kid, I always thought it was amazing that people got to see someone walk on the moon for the first time in 67 or whenever that happened. So I think it's pretty cool that in our lifetime, we'll have to wait 26 minutes for whatever it is for the broadcast to come <laughs> from Mars. But we'll actually see a human being walk on Mars, and it'll probably be sooner than people think. I, I don't know. That just that blows my mind. That's amazing. Yeah, I have. I guess I enjoy technology, but I don't. You know, like I said, I'm not reading the news so often. So usually when I see something interesting happening, it's um, from the HQ Slack channel, or I guess we're going to Discord now. But yeah, there's like some cool um, news stories that are shared in on our channel there. So very interesting. How long does it take to get to Mars? Like, uh, it's a couple, is it a couple years to like get, get over there? Yeah, I think it's like uh, nine months and you can only do it every two years. That's when Mars comes close. But I don't mean to diminish how difficult this is. You have to send many, many rockets with tons of supplies over there beforehand. So everything has to be there. And then like Elon Musk has said, for the initial people who go over there, it's probably going to be a, a one-way trip. If you don't if you don't die on the journey and don't die on impact, you're probably going to die on Mars because it's uh, a lot of effort to bring you back too. But there's a lot of – I. with this said, I would yeah. never sign up to go to Mars. I have no interest in doing that. I would go to space for like two minutes. That would be pretty cool. But uh, 
yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's no small endeavor, and it can only happen. I, I think the next window is uh, I forgot when the next window is. I think one of them is like right now, actually, but. All this has to be planned, but yeah, I, I think it'll happen maybe by 2030, which is just insane. I know. Yeah. And then with the electric car stuff, like, would you be in the market sometime soon or uh, are you guys happy with your cars or anything? Yeah. Funny enough, I test drove a Model Y on uh, this past weekend. Uh, both of our cars have 200,000 miles on it. And it's hard to buy another car when your previous ones were fine, so it probably won't be anytime soon. But I look forward to a future where I'll put solar panels on my roof, uh, buy an electric car, and we're also going to convert to a heat pump. We don't need to get into that, but it's a way to heat and cool your home without without gas. It's all run on electricity, so I'll be largely carbon neutral after that. And I... And I the nerd, I, I like that part of it, but the nerd aspect of it and trying to make my life efficient is what really, yeah, uh, is re- what really makes it cool for me. Like I'll be able to live my whole life with, with the solar panels on top of my roof. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Very exciting. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like the idea of electric cars. And the thing is, like I was saying, I, I don't drive that much anymore. So it's almost like, I mean, my my truck's in okay shape, um, but if I sold it or got rid of it. I mean, there's a strong argument for me not to even get another vehicle for yeah. a very long time. I mean, we, I can walk to a lot of places. Yeah. Um, I don't usually walk to the store, but I mean, technically I could like ride a bike, but I'm not, I'm not much of a biker. I don't feel super safe, like no. riding around, uh, you know, on roads or anything like that. There's a lot of greenways, but yeah. at the same time, you're hauling a bunch of groceries back and forth. <laughs> yeah. So what, what year is your truck real quick? 2005. Okay. Wow. Okay. So this will mean more to you than me. One real quick thing is it's strange driving a modern car. So my newest car is from 2010 and I thought that was old, but uh, you're even older. So like this Tesla, you open the glove box and this message pops on the screen. Hey, your, your glove box is open. And I, I hit the thing shut and it popped up another message like, please close it gently or something like that. Like, wow. <laughs> sorry, sorry, car. Like I felt like I, I'm sorry I did that to you next time. I'll I'll be more careful with it. It beeps at you and if you cross the center line. Yeah. Wow, this is like some spaceship from the future. I'm just happy with air conditioning and power windows. Like, And to start every day. Like, we had junk cars as a my childhood. Like, yeah. something that starts every day, like, that fills the need for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, it's one of those, um, you know, things once you get used to it. Yeah. So, on my truck, it's, it's a base model from... 2005 so it doesn't have power locks or like power windows yeah you're so yeah it's uh do kids even know what that mean probably not yeah yeah or someone will pull up next to me and they're thinking i can roll down my window without like you know it's a full-size truck so i have to like undo my seatbelt and like try to reach over (laughs) to it so i don't know We'll, we'll see how it goes it'd be interesting as it's um if everyone has electric cars, like my truck could be a little more valuable as, you know, it is practical for hauling stuff or if someone's into um, RV or not RVing, but they have like a camper trailer situation. But, you know, it's the power is useful for certain things. And sure, you could get an electric truck that had probably more power, but it'd be way more expensive than just getting an old, uh, you know, gasoline beater. Yep. Yeah, so. the, the turn it'll take a long time before half the cars on the road are electric. Yeah, but it'll be yeah, nice. The Hopefully, a little quieter because I, I stepped outside <laughs> earlier and like, oh, the car's going by. It's just I hate all the noise, you know. Yeah, me too. So, all right, 
Moving on, um, something I'm excited about, something I've been doing a little bit more of is just not screwing with my phone. Like we've referenced technology a few Mm -hmm. times and I started using the screen time feature on my iPhone and I think I have most things turned off for like 18 hours a day. So I can still use them, but I have to like override the screen time, which is not allowing me to use it. And then all the icons and notifications, things are just grayed out. So I, I mean, I'm not great at it because it's a social media and stuff is there to distract us and pull us away from the things that we're supposed to do. (laughs) And I think it was just a week ago. I had a few minutes and I was, I usually just waste time on Instagram, like scroll through pictures and see some stuff. And I realized I was scrolling for like 30 or 40 minutes. And I'm like, Oh, this is just obviously a waste. So it kind of rekindled my interest in, you know, not spending time on my phone. It's usually just a distraction. It's a tool that I can use when I need it. And I should, go to it when I need it. I shouldn't let it pull me into the, the trap. Now I need to do the same kind of stuff on my, my laptop email is a a beast for me. So I will, I mean, I think this is typical. I'm like, Hey, I need to do something. I need to get to this email because I need to take an action on it, go to my inbox. And there's something else that distracts me. And then I end up on another rabbit hole. So I actually have like the functionality to like pause my inbox using a boomerang. It's like the Gmail tool. So you just pause the inbox and it doesn't sync anymore. And you can like do what you need to do. And you're hopefully less likely to get distracted. So my, my relationship with technology, trying to shift it a little bit to make sure, you know, not brought down by like weird social media posts where there's like news or negative stuff going on that doesn't even impact me. I mean, a lot of stuff does impact me, but again, I I talked about me keeping my head in the sand a lot of times. So Social media. Do you use any um, screen time stuff? Are you uh, active on Twitter or otherwise? Yeah. What I try to do is put my phone on airplane mode. But, man, I mean, uh, a bigger topic. I, I often wonder what Steve Jobs would think of the demon he unleashed on the world. I heard someone asking, like, what are the 10 worst inventions of all time? And people come up with stuff like the nuclear bomb. And I thought of the car subwoofer as well. But but anyway, about <laughs> exhaust. But uh the phone, I mean, think of what it's done to people. How many times are you having a conversation with someone and then, boop, or their thing goes off and you know they just want to go to it and all of a sudden they're taken out of the, this great moment. And, yeah, so I try to put mine on airplane mode, but then that causes complication too. And then you'll be like, well, I sent you a text with this thing I needed from the store or whatever. Why didn't you get it? I'm like, uh, I don't want <laughs> look at my phone so now it's the expectation that we will be online and available all the time which kind of screws things up too so if you're gonna if you're gonna put your phone on airplane mode you have to set that expectation too with people but yeah so social media is toxic as well it's designed to grab our attention i i turn off all notifications i don't let myself be notified of anything if there's an important email i found with gmail you can set a notification just for that email so it'll bing at me and then I know but that's very rare maybe like twice a year I'll actually have to do something like that but yeah yeah computers um, <laughs> uh, not good and just yeah Gmail is my thing too I but I didn't know about Boomerang I'm going to check that out so it just leaves your inbox empty until a certain time yeah well it 
do you have an empty inbox? No. Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, Hell no. well, there's a bunch of shit in there already, yeah. but it, no new stuff will come in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. no new stuff. It won't sink, yeah. But, but yeah, this that's the classic thing. It's so easy. And then I realize, oh, what, what did I even come in here for? Why am I looking at this other email? Why am I answering this email that doesn't matter? It's like someone who perhaps needs something for me that like i I don't know and it's like hey i'm not i'm not here to like just do free work for random people i don't know yeah so so yes screen time and it sounds like you have a good handle on your phone um and maybe you've even gotten so far on the other side where you're like (laughs) you're missing some text that maybe you should get which i mean you just have to ease back in i guess and make sure you're getting those yeah it's a uh yeah, phones are a valuable tool. I, I think one thing I should probably do is delete all uh, the social media off the phone. There's certain people I like to follow on Twitter, but like, why do I need to see what they have to say three times a day? That's just ridiculous. I could do it once at the end of the day, and then I don't get drawn into that rabbit hole with other distractions. Yeah, I mean, a phone can be a great tool. I use the note-taking app all the time, so I don't forget to do things or for our conversation today. You can have a random thought and record it right away. Yeah. But yeah, they're, uh, I think they're a net negative. My, my kids are both, hey, dad, when can I have a phone? Like, ah, how about never? <laughs> and then all their friends have phones and uh, there's the social pressure. And i uh, like, ah, yeah. but it's a safety thing. Okay, then I'll get you a flip phone. Like, oh, I don't want a flip phone. I'm like, well, okay. So it's not really a safety thing then. Like, yeah. Uh, they have zero phones so far. Do you have a plan on when they're going to get them? I don't know, maybe when they turn 16, but I, I want to control that. I know the iPhone has a lot of different controls you can put on a phone. Uh, like they have access to a computer, and our kid will look at the computer and the news, and we were talking about how beneficial the absence of news is in your life, and I see how toxic it is to her. Like, Dad, did you see what's going on? Like, uh, what are we going to do about this? I'm like, it's not, this has no bearing on our life, but I, th- I think I should keep in touch like how do i stay informed like doesn't quite work like that but it's hard to explain to a 13 year old yeah yeah and it's i mean the news does like hold a a big spot for so many people in their lives and stuff and one one thing my my dad used to watch a lot of news like all the time and with my mom's illness i think they both just sort of like stopped watching the news so much so like the last six months uh something like that like he's not really paying too much attention. And I think it's definitely a positive thing because like you said, you're either going to get worked up about it or upset somehow. Like the, the news is calibrated in the same way that social media is where it's like eliciting usually negative responses because that's what typically is going to get more ratings. Yeah, that's it. It's designed to get our attention. And uh, one thing I read a while ago, was and I thought of this the other day because somehow my, my kids don't usually watch over the air uh, TV, but somehow it got turned on and the actual news came on. And I haven't watched the nighttime news in years. It came on and I, I paid attention to it for a minute. I'm like this is all garbage. Well, this car accident happened here. This happened here. And I'm like the reason it, it's news is because it doesn't happen in the normal course of life. But that's also the same reason why you shouldn't watch it. Like, like who cares that. I mean, there's a human cost, I guess, but who cares? That car accident in Denver did not impact me, or the snow in the mountains does not impact me, and that event will be done with. I think there's a difference between news and staying informed, too. Like, 
But even that, I'm trying to think of something I want to stay informed about. Maybe my tech stuff, but that's enjoyment for me. That doesn't cause me stress and doesn't take time away from my life. But eh, it's a delicate balance. But yeah, really, really tough balance. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know exactly what to do with it, other than you know, limit it and make sure I'm at least mindful and deliberate about like the inputs that I'm taking in. Yeah, you you are what you take in, just like food and yeah I, I think these news networks whether you're on the liberal side or, or the other conservative side like uh you're not gaining anything from watching those they're trying to get your attention and they're trying to get you riled up and oh, yeah. if you really want to pay attention read the facts and try to come up with your own opinions instead of having those outlets force feed them into your brain and scare the shit out of you yeah it's tough all right so i think I just did one. So is it your, or did you just do one? Um, I don't know who that <laughs> I'm not, was. I'm not keeping track of it. Yeah, this, this is a good side. Yeah. I guess I've probably got two more in total, like one absurd and one the changed mind, which I would save that for the last one. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Or just do the one if we're about done. It's up to you. Yeah. Well, why don't you do, do the one that's not your last one, and okay. then I'll go again. And then... Yeah, so this is more on just uh, I've been thinking a lot more about my age, and I've seen some some death around me lately. My my father passed away, and we know two people died of COVID. So I remember as a kid, and I was probably twelve or thirteen, and we were invited to a friend's dad's birthday party, and I got there, and he was turning forty, and they had all this these black banners on, kind of making fun of him, like "You're over the hill." I think I remember there was like some tombstone thing, like. Uh, you're over the hill and all that. So I've thought about that a lot. And I don't know where that milestone came from or that age, that break point in life came from, that it's all downhill from there. But uh, my own experience, uh, when, when I was a kid, I could only ever do one pull-up. Like we had the gym test where you'd go up there and the whole class oh, yeah. is watching you. And I'd be like, pull myself up there. And yeah. all, the, all, all the pretty girls are pointing at you laughing. And it was so embarrassing. But – like a couple of years ago, I did 10 and I kind of lost my way during COVID, COVID but I, I did uh, six or seven earlier this week. I think it was seven, actually. So now at the age of 47, I could do more pull-ups than I could when I was 16. And I'm not going to, to trick myself. I know after a certain point, your body's in decline. But on the other hand, I haven't really noticed it. Like if you're an elite athlete, if you're a professional tennis player or baseball player, golf, or something like that, you're going to notice those things because you're using your body at its peak effectiveness. You have to be that way to be competitive at that level. But fortunately for me, I was never <laughs> competitive at any level. So now at my age, I don't have any aches and pains, like nothing. Everything is great. The one thing that's gone wrong is my eyes. I have to – reading sucks now for some reason. I know you're uh, – your eyes become less elastic as you grow older. But so this whole notion that you have to get old and you have to accept aging uh, is, I think, a little ridiculous. I think if you stay active, feed your body the right fuel and keep your mind active as well, there's multiple different facets to it. You don't have to accept that 40 is over the hill or you have to stop doing things. Eventually, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, deceive myself. Eventually, your body, something will happen, and you won't be able to do something. But I think you could save that stuff, stave those things off for longer than people think you can. 
So, and eventually, like aging is a biological process. Your your telomeres on your cells go away, and then your cells age. So it's a program thing. So, I mean, a really crazy topic because I think somehow, sometime, probably in the next twenty or thirty years, people will figure out how to stop that. And I don't think people live infinitely, and I don't know why you'd want that, but I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if uh, people live to be 150 years old. Maybe mm-hmm. the baby born in 20 years will live to be 150 because science has figured out a way to stop these processes. I mean, there's animals now that don't age. I, they're primitive ones, and I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but it's because they don't have the same process. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it's kind of evol- evolutionary design. You don't want the old the old members of a population competing with the young ones that are going to reproduce for resources. That's a whole other topic. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you have a target for uh, pull-ups or anything? I know we've, we've talked about it a few times, like um, in the last year, I guess. Yeah, I got up to 10. This is probably a stretch goal and I don't even know if it's possible, but I want to see if I can get up to 20 this year. So I, I keep track and every time I do my workout, I uh, I try to do more than I did the last time, either more per set or more overall, but I always try to do more. Maybe I've been going too hard. I did my last one on Sunday and my, what day is it today? It's like Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. it's Wednesday and my lats are still sore right now. <laughs> so maybe I'm overdoing it, but I just did get back into it too. That's yeah. a balance too because you want to work hard, but not so hard that you injure yourself. So yeah, I hope to be able to do 20 20 pull-ups. At my peak, I could do 70 push-ups. I'd like to be able to do 100 of those in one time, too. 100 yeah. clean all the way to the ground right. push-ups. Right. So. That's cool. Well, if we can get that hoodie off you, we can get a before um, no, picture no, here. Doug, uh, no one wants it. Yeah, before <laughs> picture. Yeah. No one wants to see that. I think we blind the audience, too, with my white Pale torso. skin. Yeah. For the people on the podcast, he lifted his shirt up. So, okay. Hopefully it didn't <laughs> I think, I think you totally can. I know I did, um, I did like a hundred pushup, uh, like training regimen and there was a specific format for the training so that you, you know, you were doing sort of maintenance for a little while. And I think it's the same way. Like you train for a a marathon or a half marathon rather. Right. So you don't want to push yourself too hard too often. So it was something like once a week where you're really extending like the workout, I can't remember it exactly, but you could look it up and there's one for pull-ups too. And I can't remember if it was 25 or 50 pull-ups and I, this has been a couple of years and I haven't done pull-ups in a little while, but I got up to like 22. Holy cow. And insane, right? Cause I clean overhand pull-ups or. Yep. Yeah. Like wide, wide bar. Um, and it, yeah, just think thinking about it. I'm like, man, that was a lot of pull ups. You know, it's yeah. a great. It works your core, like your back, lots, all ton of stuff. Yeah. So I need to get back into it. And the thing I ran into, a little bit of overtraining, I guess, is my. Um, I guess it was some light tendonitis in both my elbows. Okay. Because um, I guess I was just working out a little harder and wasn't giving enough time for recovery and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think you could totally do it. Especially, I mean, you are up. I mean, you, you said you did six or seven, you did 10 not too long ago. So, I mean, you're still obviously in the, in the right range and it'll just be like, like most things, like make sure you rest enough, I guess. Yeah. I'm curious, how long did it take you to work up to the hundred pushups or uh, 20 plus pull-ups? I, I don't remember. I think the pushups were probably like, I would say six weeks to three months or something. I can't okay. remember there were, were periods where I, th- I think I realized, Hey, I'm, 
getting a little sore, I'm going to do this week again. So you just, you know, cause I wasn't doing it for any yeah. other reason than vanity. So I, I just repeated the week and made sure I didn't like injure myself for the pull-ups. I think I really gradually like just did a few more. So it could have been like six months or something. Okay. And I was, you know, maybe a couple times a week, I would just try to do as many as I could. Okay. And then just slowly over time, which is fun if you actually go to a gym because people are like, look at that skinny dude, like doing a <laughs> yeah. shitload of pull-ups. Like it is motivated, right? <laughs> <laughs> external pressure. Yeah. And of course, you know, the pretty girls that you were, that were laughing at you, they, they don't notice. So it's just the dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's always the guys. But Billy, on this topic, one other thing I want to say real quick and Peter Atia again, I'm so thankful that you introduced me to that guy, I was listening to a different podcast and this was a more recent one, but he was talking about how important it is, how important strength training is. Like, I think he said something like if you're running and doing strength training, like you can give up the running completely. Strength training is so important because that's what we lose over age and that's what makes us weak and, and unable to do certain things and reduces our quality of life. Like he, he yeah, I think he talk, was talking about LeBron James and his example is what's the difference between LeBron James now and LeBron James from 10 years ago, all of it is strength. That's the only difference is it, there's nothing else wrong with them. It's all strength training. So male, female, uh, you, you should make it a core a core part of your life and never give it up. Just And you could do it. You don't have to have weights. Uh, Mindy and I do just body weight squats. So we just we go on walks and like every minute or two we'll, we'll do 10 squats and we'll try to do at least 100 of those a day. Uh, yeah. That's so important. That's another great full body exercise that uh, I've read that. I think it was on Tim Ferriss said that uh, Japanese are pretty successful with living long and quality lives. And I guess in that culture, they eat sitting down. So they kind of practice the squat exercise as part of their daily routine where most Americans probably never have that exercise. You sleep in a bed, you're all off that, you're in a chair. So you never practice getting up off the floor and using those muscles, but they're so important in mm -hmm. big muscle groups. Again, like going off of your point here, I had an Achilles injury because I used to run a lot more. I actually, I miss it a lot, but I know it does beat up your body. So it's probably a good thing that I'm, I'm not able to run nearly as much as I could before, but I went to physical therapy and I did a lot of like single leg exercises because I was sort of imbalanced. I had some uh, muscular uh, like imbalance. So my hips weren't aligned and there's issues that arise from that where like my hips aren't aligned. So it ended up uh, impacting how my foot was falling and it hurt my Achilles basically. So it wasn't even the source of the in or the, the reason, right? But that's how it manifested itself. Mm -hmm. But the point is, I've been doing a lot of single leg, like deadlifts or squats. So I'm trying to balance that out. And I think, you know, balance is another super important yep. thing because, you know, as you get older and I can think of, you know, our grandparents or parents as they got older and you see them going up and down stairs and yeah. that imbalance is not good and uh, just, you know, falls and those sort of things. Absolutely. So I, I think that was the, Going over the hill. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, going over the hill. You don't have to uh, give up on your body. You don't have to give up on on life. Uh, stay active, lift weights. And uh, what's the Dylan Thomas quote? You know that poem, don't go gently into the night or whatever, like fight the night. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing I'm doing that guy. No, uh, <laughs> I'm not doing that poem any favors. But I think that's the right way to 
to live, stay active. Oh yeah. Be healthy. Right. I'm going to do a couple super quick ones and then I'll kick it back to you for the <laughs> finale. Oh, so a lot of pressure on you. All Ugh. right. So some, something that's sort of stupid or absurd. I watch a lot of YouTube, which is good. I mean, I produce YouTube videos, so it's, it's fine for me to consume that content, but I somehow ended up watching a ton of like covers of like a lot of times it's eighties songs or like rock bands where usually there's a, a pretty woman who's like doing the cover and or with a band. So it's, it's good musically and it's the songs that we enjoy from our you yeah. know, youth and growing up. And sometimes the uh, musicians and singers are actually better than the yeah. original. So I found myself like, you know, having those suggested to me. And then I go down a rabbit hole, like watching some obscure artist from, you know, the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, or, or actually a lot of times I think they're probably in LA or Nashville or some, you know, big music hub, but a few of them, uh, you remember the, the song, by wham wake me up before you go yeah right? yeah sure. so i always think of zoolander too right because yeah, yeah. there was that scene in zoolander but yeah there's a few covers of that that i enjoy there's some singer songwriters that you know cover like elton john songs for example yeah. or david bowie or like yeah. you know it's good they're great songs yeah. these are like classic songs but are you into that do you find yourself accidentally watching those yeah i'm curious to hear more of your favorites <laughs> but uh there's two that come to mind one was i saw recently was uh uh, a lady playing guitar singing Sweet Child of Mine, and she was really good on the guitar and really good with the vocals, too. So Axl Rose, take that. And the other one, you might have seen this one, but it's uh, this guy took an acoustic guitar to the International Space Station and played David Bowie's Space Oddity on the International Space Station. So you see him floating around it. I don't know if you can watch it. I know David Bowie was still alive when this happened, and I think Bowie gave him like a year. Like he said, ah, you know, you're taking my song, but I'll let you – yeah, have this on YouTube for a year, but someone's probably uh, borrowed it and put it on some other platform. Yeah, so, okay. so look that out. This guy floating around with a guitar, playing space. On yeah, there. interesting. It, do you you play guitar a little bit? Yeah, not well. I, I wish I could do that better. My yeah. my guitar playing. Speaking of absurd, my guitar playing is absurd. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not too good. I I need to pick it up more. I may do that sometime yeah. this year. So okay, so. The covers on YouTube, that's a little silly. And then something I'm excited about, I'm, I'm into photography uh -huh. and, uh, you know, I have like cool cameras and stuff for doing YouTube. And I recently picked up a, a pretty long telephoto lens for like wildlife. So I'm pumped uh -huh. about that. Whoa. And, you know, we we're talking earlier, I'm kind of like trying to pump the brakes and like do a few more projects that I enjoy. And, you know, we have some awesome state parks, uh, very local. There's eagles that nest nearby. So I have this nice like wildlife 300 millimeter lens that I've been taking out to some of these state parks. And, you know, there's a, a few eagles that nest um, just a few miles from where we live. Yeah. So uh, same for rain. And it's so quick to get to. I could just pop over there for uh you know in 10 minutes or less you know hop around see if the eagles are around and yeah it's been fun and have you ever been to bar lake over uh closer to the airport no i don't think i have that sounds familiar though but i can't i don't know why if you guys are looking for a field trip there are eagles that migrate there and they winter there so there's like 50 eagles holy crap yeah so go check it out uh, my uh, you know, I got one of those annual um, state park passes, but well worth the money. I mean, in Bar Lake, like 
I think they start heading out pretty soon. So okay. you guys may want to put it on, you know, if you're looking for an outdoor activity, yeah. maybe when it's not so cold, but most of the lake is iced up and there are, there are quite a few juvenile eagles, so they don't have the white head, yeah. um, but they're still huge and yeah. they're uh, beautiful birds. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Bar Lake. Got yeah. it. I can't wait to see some of your photos too. I like photography too. And I, Become lazy. Phones take such good photos yeah. now, but I've considered buying a camera. We'll talk about that offline sometime. All right. All right. Yeah. So that's all I have. And like I said, I'll send it to you for the grand finale. Oh, geez. No pressure there at all. <laughs> oh. Oh, how do I start this out? Have you seen the movie Soul? It was a Pixar film that just came out? Or? Okay. I haven't. I'm going to try that. Well, Soul will explain what I'm going to talk about much better. And I won't spoil the film for you, but... It's very good. It's been described as an adult film that happens to be a cartoon. But, yeah, see that. It's uh, on Disney Plus. If you have that, you might be able to buy it from somewhere. But anyway, like uh, uh, like one thought I've had and <laughs> I've been living my, uh, my past 47 years wrong is I would always make these grand goals in my life. And one of them was quitting my job and retiring early. And uh, even with my projects in life, I'm like, you know, I, I can't wait till I'm done with my deck or I can't wait till I'm done with a basement. And I expect to feel like this or this when the goal is done. So I can't wait till I quit work because then my stress is going to be lower and I'm going to be at a happy place or I can't wait till our, and this is a really toxic one. I can't wait till our kids are this old because then we'll be able to talk to them. We can't change, or we won't have to change the diapers anymore or like always living in the future and expecting this, this grand goal or once we hit this achievement to change our life. And uh, I've realized how toxic that is. And uh, the right, and I see this all the time in the financial independence community too. People will be like, the thing that makes, makes me cringe more than anything else is people will say something like, and some of this was caused by me because my blog was 1500 days, <laughs> 1500 days till retirement. So I'll hear people tell me like, I can't wait. I only have like, 874 days till I quit my job and I just have to shake my head and like, no, you're, you're wishing your days away. You have to, to enjoy every moment. Even if you don't like your job, if you have a, an asshole boss, and even if you're under a lot of stress, you have to find lessons and moments of happiness and purpose and in, in every day. And it can be harder if, if your life isn't going so hot, but you can't, wait for some grand goal to make your life better or you can't expect happiness you have to try to find sounds so cliche but like beauty and happiness in every moment and going back to what we said living life a little bit slower and just appreciating everything you have now instead of pushing that appreciation to, to some future event that's reliant on some thing happening it's uh it's so toxic and such a a bad, like, uh, maybe not unhappy, but not the most fulfilling, like, content way to live. And <laughs> I struggle with it all the time. We were doing this basement project when COVID happened. I'm like, I just want to finish this. And I, it was kind of like loose ends in my mind, and I'm not going to be, be happier, satisfied until I get this project done. And then I'm like, why the fuck am I feeling like this? It doesn't, who cares if the basement is half finished? It's not. We'll just spend time in a different part of the house and we probably won't spend much time down there anyway. Even after I do finish it, it means nothing. It's inconsequential. It will be done six months after I initially planned it to be done. So, yeah, that's my big thing. Try to find happiness in, in every single moment of your life. Don't look forward to uh, 
to some future moment. See that movie Soul, it'll explain it much better than I could ever. Yeah. Definitely a worthwhile film, probably the best thing I've seen in many, many years. So, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult. Structure your life so you live in the present. Yeah. W were you aware of this in yourself previously or the movie really like triggered it? Uh, well, the number one thing that triggered it initially is by this whole, I had a stressful job and I planned to quit and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to be so much happier after I'm done with the job. Like that's just going to be game changing. And I look for forward to it for years because I follow the Mr. Money Mustache blog. I'm like, hey, in like three or four years, I can do this and my life is going to be like way better. And then that point came and I quit and I'm like, wow, life is still kind of the same. It was better. It, it was an improvement. I had more time. I could do more things. But what didn't change was my level of happiness. I'm like maybe a slight uptick just because I didn't have that background stress all the time, but it really didn't change. And that's when I learned like uh, happiness comes from the inside and how you perceive your life. It doesn't come from these external events. So that got me thinking about it in the first place, but it takes a lot of practice to really wrap your mind around it and to really embrace that mindset and to just live and appreciate what you have right now. Yeah, I felt like such a fool too. I'm like, wow, you look forward to this for all these years, but now it's like, yeah, it's still kind of the same. Like, well, what the hell were you thinking? Like, big dummy, but better late than never, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm enlightened in the same way as you. I'm a few years younger than you, even though you have a lot more hair than me. But I definitely, I think at some point, maybe because I, I didn't find the the sort of Phi movement and I, I've never been like super like gung-ho, kind of followed it adjacently. There's, a, I mean, I did like side hustles and stuff. So there's some common themes and entrepreneurship has some common ideas, I think, with you know, being frugal and not being in debt and that sort of thing. And I think probably as I was, you know, dealing with getting laid off or maybe even a little before that, but just understanding like um, you better enjoy the journey yeah. and the process. Cause like basically um, you're going to start other projects. You're going to be working on things and it's really good to find the, the, your happiness or your joy from working on the things, going through the process. And that does keep us active with like some other purpose that we can move towards and, Maybe we get a little obsessed with something for a few years and we can do that for a little while. Yeah. And then, you know, we find something else we dig and yeah. spend time there. And I, yeah, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm like enlightened, but I'm like, I, th I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. And it's like the day to day is like, if you could figure out how to be happy, like during the day to day, like you're probably going to be okay after you retire or after you have, you know, reached that, uh, perhaps arbitrary milestone that you've placed in front of yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one last thing I'll mention is, uh, one thing I had a hard time with is uncertainty in life. I was, we talked about before how planning is toxic and I never, I always wanted to know where my life was going to be in like five or 10 years and not knowing gave me stress. But now I've learned that, Life is a lot better not knowing what the hell you're going to be doing. If you would have told me when I had a job that I'd be co-owner of this co-working space, talking to you, having a podcast, I would have thought you were insane. But I was able to embrace these opportunities because I didn't plan for stuff. I didn't have a job. And when you don't have 
it's amazing the opportunities that will come to you if you just open your – if you have the time and you open your eyes and ears and, and listen to people. I just had a conversation with a friend uh, last week and he came into town. He's like, you know what, what I'd like to do? I'm like, no, what's that, Ray? He's like, I'd like to move to Longmont and I'd like to brew beer and open a bottle store like this one I saw in Estonia. I even had a name picked out. I'm like, well, you want to do it? I've got some money. Let's go find a place on Main Street. We know people will brew. We know Magic. We know Matt. We know you. Yeah. Let's get some of those involved. It'll be a fun project just with friends. And I wouldn't have been able to do this if I didn't have this random conversation and didn't have the time. So the uncertainty and not planning has become, instead of a point of stress, has become a superpower. So, oh, yeah. and it's something that gives me joy. Like, oh, now I might have this cool thing to look yeah. forward to in the future collaborating with friends and actually we should talk about this sometime yeah. too that i was like is this happening like yeah are we doing this well, we've <laughs> actually looked at real estate on main street and stuff like this but yeah there's but the number one rule is it has to be fun it, it has to make some money it has to pay for itself but like what ray said to me is it has to be a place where we would voluntarily hang out even if we didn't know it like we're going to go there and hang out there as friends and make it fun for other people so we're getting off on a tangent yeah here, but yeah, uh, it's so fun not having your, your life planned out and not knowing what's going to be happening in a couple of years. And you could still live that way even if you have a job. You don't have to be tied to some corporate. Um, oh, in two years, you're going to be an architect. In two years after that, you'll be a director. You know, that's fine and all that, but I don't know. It seems if you get into that mode, you're building your life and you're building your identity around a job too. I think some people can pull that off if that's truly what they want to do in life. The, the litmus test for that is, would you do it for free if you won $10 million? Would you still want to be director at the Acme Corporation? I don't think most people would. Um, this is a whole other conversation. It, it's difficult to figure out what you might want to do. But I think most people, if they had infinite money and they had their true passion, would stay at their job. And if they did, they found something truly special. My wife is actually one of them. She works not for money, just because she enjoys it so much. I tell her all the time, you know, you can quit this. Mm -hmm. um, but she keeps at it. So if you've uh, if you found that in life, you're very you've got you found something truly special. But ask yourself that: if you had ten million dollars, would you stay at your job? If not, what would you be doing, and how would you get there? So, and that's what financial independence gives you: not one specific thing, just the option to go in a different direction when it appears. I think that's a great place to end. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Where can people find you, Carl, if they want to connect with you further? Uh, my blog is 1500days.com. Yeah, take a look at that. You'll see uh, it's if you thought I'm, I'm silly here in person, the blog post I uh, published today was about naming. We took a, the test drive on the Tesla and I went into the computer and renamed the car Butt just because I'm an idiot. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, grown man. Yeah. Grown yeah. man. So, 13-year-old but no 13-year-old sense of humor. All right, man. Well, this is great and we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, thank you so much Doug for having me. I really appreciate this and it was good to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as Carl and I did. If you found anything interesting or insightful, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. And if you have constructive feedback, maybe you want to criticize um, 
the way we did the show or anything like that, you can also let me know. We are looking to improve. So it was really fun for Carl and I just to uh, chat and shoot the shit. Very enjoyable. Sometime soon, we'll be having a beer together. So go check out 1500 Days. You can, again, see his journey, hear about his journey to retirement. And then he has a YouTube channel as well. He has been posting some stuff on his home improvement project. So if you're into that kind of stuff, you can have a look. They're pretty funny too. He uh, he makes me laugh. Carl's a good dude. So I think that's it for today. We'll catch you on the next episode. 